I'm Judith Farrell Horvath, owner and shepherdess, goat herder, milkmaid, poultry wrangler here at Fairhill Farm in Central Ohio. I started with illegal backyard chickens and I did that for seven years. Then I bought a farm nine years ago, making that, what, 16 years of raising my own meat animals? Yeah, actually farming them on a farm for nine of that. Turkeys, sheep, goats, quail for a bit, sometimes rabbit, my daughter raises. So yeah, that's what we're talking about here today. Meat animals, animals for meat and facing the reality of that. So, all you beautiful homesteaders and land lovers, it's September and as fall approaches, I'm looking forward to speaking to a lot of people. <clears throat> Clients, students, youth, event attendees about harvesting one's crop. And yes, today we are talking about harvesting meat animals. So let's talk about the psychology of raising an animal for meat and how to face that. I like to call it harvesting, not to be PC, but because it's what I'm actually doing. Butchering is a term that means taking a life. And that's part of the harvest, but this is a bigger process. A harvest, it's about converting energy from one form to another and gaining sustenance and food from another source. It's not really focused on the killing at all. So I encourage people new to livestock farming to enter into the relationship with their livestock with this purpose in mind. People ask me, how do you decide which animals to call? I struggle with that choice every year. My answer is, uh, you know, let's, let's view this from a different angle. Those are meat animals, right? Well, then we're gonna stick to our plan and these animals will fulfill their purpose. We might select for which ones we want to keep for superior production and future breeding stock. In other words, Inferior animals are not penalized with harvest. It's the outstanding ones that are retained for perpetuation and for sustainability, for the continuation of the cycle. Does that make sense? So these are not wild, noble creatures on the endangered species list. They're domestic animals selected for specific traits over millennia. The ones I raise, some are ancient breeds like Icelandic sheep, and to preserve them, you must eat them. Without the experience of the slow cuisine and the enjoyment, no one will ever understand the difference between factory farm CAFO meat and the delicate flavor of grass-fed, primitive breed of low lanolin lamb, hogget, or mutton, so wild, mildly flavored that a four-year-old ram tastes as good as a yearling ewe. Yes, it's true. Those are Icelandic sheep that taste like that. So what about a pasture-raised dual-purpose chicken that has huge dark meat thighs from running around and the fat is a rich golden yellow from all the sunlight and the beta carotene from native vegetation and the insects that it's consumed, not white chunks like you see in CAFO meat. You'll know when you have cleanly raised meat, when you smell chicken like this, it smells like nothing. That's right, no chicken smell because it's not toxic. The stuff you smell from grocery store chickens is not chicken smell. That's putrescence. That's not how chickens smell. My chickens that I raise don't smell like it at all. So this is an animal. We're talking about this food that we've raised ourselves. This is an animal that's had a great life. It's been running around. It's been chasing bugs, dodging hawks, dust bathing, sunbathing, scrambling, and competitive eating with its flockmates. It might actually have a couple scars on it or some feathers missing. And what's wrong with harvesting an animal that's had a life like this. Maybe you've had the privilege of being the source of a life like this for that animal. And there's honor in that. 
There's pride you should have. That's top level stewardship. And when you purchase a bird that's had a life like that, you should be pleased. When you raise that animal yourself, you should be even more pleased. Animals like this have one bad day in their lives. And I can't imagine a life so good you've only got one bad day. No months of misery and filth and fear. No massive feedlots. No cannibalistic overcrowding. That is honoring the ingredient through its whole life. And when you do this, I swear to you, something magical happens. You will feel connection with your food. Your family will never waste food. You can't stand the thought that that animal's life is going to go to waste. You'll make that whole chicken into three meals or more, plus broth. That lamb will be the centerpiece of a special occasion. That goat shank will be amazing in asabuco. And then you're going to make great stock or broth afterwards with the bones. And that marrow is going to be nourishing through the winter if someone gets sick. It brings a reverence for the life energy that is present in this food. And you will experience the effort and care that you put into that animal's care, into your own food. You'll not just taste the difference. The energy and care is in there too. I swear, I swear it's true. So please, don't give these animals human names. Give them food names and help remind yourself of their intended purpose. It will help your children and it will help you. People ask me, when does it get easier to butcher an animal that you've raised? Sad truth is, never. It becomes less of a shock, but it's never easy. That's okay, because see, I mean, I, me personally, I don't believe it should be easy. If it is, you're doing it wrong. You need to care for them. With the same care as you give your own body, your own family, your own children's health, your mother's well-being, your aging father, it's all connected. When you raise your own animals from meat, it is all connected, even more so. I think sometimes as adults, we worry that our kids will be scarred or something when it comes to harvesting meat animals. You know, I understand that thought, but in my own life, I just haven't found it to be the case. Back when I first started with chickens, I decided I was gonna learn how to do the deed properly before I had to. So I signed up for a class and I took my daughter along. She was, I think, oh, what, six, I think? Yeah, I think so, anyway, I remember telling my mother that I was taking my daughter to this butchering clinic. I thought she was gonna drive all the way from New Jersey to Ohio to rescue her granddaughter from this permanent scarring. I mean, I laugh now because I just had no idea how it was gonna go and it's a funny story. Yeah, it was a standout day. It was hard for me. She wasn't doing well with the whole thing. I was getting stressed out. So I finally said, yeah, give me that knife, take off your apron, go around with the, go run around with the other kids. While I was being taught the ins and outs of gutting and plucking, well, when I was almost done, she shows up. Mom, can I do one before we leave? She's like, her attitude was completely different. Honey, I said, what, what's up? What changed your mind? I thought this was too much for you. And she looked at me and said, no, chickens are no big deal. I saw them doing a lamb over there. Well, I was kind of horrified because the time... Someone says lamb, I'm thinking of this little, you know, fluffy creature that's bounding peacefully. No, this is a one-year-old animal that is enormous. Well, barely being okay with the concept of harvesting an animal by my own hand, I kind of froze and looked at her. I was like, wait, wait, what? Yeah, she said, you should have seen it. It was really big. And after they caught it, it was having no part of their idea. Dragged three men across the field until someone shot it. 
Then we saw how it was all put together and it comes apart. It was amazing and sciencey and they showed us and they explained it and I'm ready to harvest a chicken now. No problem. Let's do it. That girl, man, she does not, she does not disappoint. So, I mean, I just kind of stood there aghast, proud, confused, all kinds of feelings roiling around in my tired brain. Well, fast forward to today. She works with animals. She is the biggest advocate for the quality of life for animals. She can butcher a deer, a rabbit, a quail, turkey, chicken, just about anything. She can do autopsy and tell you what killed that animal and how healthy or unhealthy it was. She's a total whiz. Talk about life skills and understanding how life works. She gets it and I couldn't be more proud. She's almost 23 now and the hugest advocate for humane treatment of animals and slaughtering processes. Temple Grandin is one of her heroes, someone she wants to meet. She even plays classical music for the animals on Harvest Day. And she thanks each one for its life sacrifice. She never ever wastes food. And yes, she's a serious meat eater. No, she never gets meat from the grocery store because she knows full well what kind of life the grocery store animals live. If that is not the best example of the pure benefit that you're actually giving your children, I don't know what is. So in practical terms, what does this look like? This learning curve, what's the process to getting there? So I have some advice for you. First, okay, if you're gonna start livestock farming, be prepared to harvest them before you have to. That means learn about it, take a class. If you're doing your own poultry for bigger animals, make sure you have a butchering place lined up. No, I've never butchered my own lambs or sheep or goats or anything, any four-leggeds. I'm not really equipped for it where I am. It, it takes some strength and some bigger equipment and disposal. So for me, I just take them to an abattoir. But you'll have to choose a date way in advance. Um, I make appointments like six to nine months in advance. Seriously, that date is out there before the animal's even born half the time. Yeah, for real. All right, second. I was serious about that no human names thing I said earlier. Give meat names. It really helps. It truly, it does. You know, start small. Names like drumstick and dumpling or paprikash for chickens, things like that. Third, when it comes to treating your animals, remember that you're doing something for your own future health. When you give that animal fresh water, you clean its area, you move it to fresh grass, you scrub out its water, you clean out its food pan, you ensure that it's physically healthy and comfortable and free of parasites or if you're treating an injury. You're doing it for yourself. Remember that and do it with the care that you would do for a family member because ultimately that's exactly what you're doing. Fourth, when you're selecting for breeding stock, select for temperament and productivity. You never want to feel angry at an animal and take its life in anger because it's attacked you. Now with chickens, this is a little less predictable. You can only do what you can do, but this is an important part. So that's it for now. Here's to harvest time. Let's stock our freezers. Time to be thankful. Let's have gratitude in our hearts when we honor the ingredient, enjoy the fruits of our labors, and feel good knowing that we gave our food animals the best damn life possible. No, you're not going to scar your kids. I promise you. Do it properly, properly and you'll be just fine. Eat what you grow. Bloom in your community. Enjoy an abundant, resilient, rooted life. Peace and love. I'll see you in the field. Namaste all. Bye-bye.